0: Welcome to A Congruent Life, where we share inspirational stories of authenticity and happiness. A Congruent Life is an interview project sharing the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things, discovering their passions, and living authentic, amazing lives. Here's your host, Andy Gray.
1: Hello everyone, thanks for joining us for episode 10 of A Congruent Life, Inspirational Stories of Authenticity and Happiness. My name is Andy Gray, thanks for joining us for a special Monday episode of A Congruent Life. Not to worry, we're going to be back on Wednesday as usual, but today I'm happy to share with you a conversation I recently had with Pat Flynn, the host of the Smart Passive Income podcast. Pat's just a normal guy. He worked hard in his chosen discipline of architecture and did everything quote unquote right. But one day, he found that despite his hard work, he suddenly didn't have a job anymore. Sound familiar? But instead of getting stuck, Pat discovered a way to reinvent his life to be of service in a different way, and in the process found it was even more rewarding. I'm talking today with Pat Flynn, who runs a very popular website and podcast called Smart Passive Income, and recently published a memoir called
2: Let Go. Pat, welcome to A Congruent Life. Hey, Andy. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's gonna be fun.
1: So maybe we can just start with a little bit of your early story. Before you did this Smart Passive Income project, you used to work in architecture. Was that an ambition that you had when you were young?
2: I think so. I, I never really knew I wanted to be an architect, but I love to build stuff. I love to build stuff and, and sort of see how other people sort of use the things that, that I build. And so I, I knew I was going to be potentially some sort of engineer. And, and once I started to get into the whole you know, trying to figure out what to do in college thing, architecture just seemed to stand out to me. And so, you know, I was really excited to go down that path. And, um, you know, I put a lot of hard work into it in college and uh, I graduated with a B.A. in architecture from Cal at UC Berkeley. Um, after five years. And, you know, I just was ready to devote the rest of my life to it.
1: And so you basically did everything you were supposed to do. You went to a great college, you studied hard, got a degree, graduated, got a great job, and life was good.
2: You You were on the career track. If someone wrote a manual for how life was supposed to be, I was living it. I was getting good grades, got into a good college, got my dream job after college, was doing a lot of extracurricular things at my job to climb the corporate ladder. I was the youngest person to get promoted to job captain from a senior draft position in the firm. I was contributing to my 401k. I had health insurance. I asked my girlfriend to marry me, and she said yes, and we were going to start a family together. I mean, it was just like, this is what life is supposed to be like. This is awesome. But... Um, you know, things started to not look so good after, uh, you know, just a couple months after I got that promotion and actually after I asked my uh, girlfriend to marry me. This was back in 2008. And a lot of us remember how just bad the economy was. And we, we had always kept sort of high hopes in, in the architecture firm that I was in. But, you know, people just started getting laid off. And it's funny because we, we, we called it getting slayed off because it was seriously like just every time someone would go into the back office and they would come back a totally different person person, like almost like it was like murder. And uh, I, I was just hoping and praying that, you know, I wouldn't get called in. But I did. And, uh, you know, there was there was some hope there because they started off with, hey, Pat, you're one of the youngest, brightest guys we know. And I was like, yes, like maybe they're going to keep me around. Maybe they're just going to cut my salary a little bit or just give me less hours. But um, then they followed that sentence with, well, we have to let you go. And uh, my entire life just pretty much changed from that point forward.
1: So what was that like for you at a personal level? You had worked basically, like you said, you had done everything you were supposed to do. You worked hard. You were bright. You were ambitious. You were doing a great job at your job. And then all of a sudden, due to circumstances beyond your control, you didn't have a job anymore and you had all these responsibilities and and ambitions. So from a personal level, what what was going on for you at that point?
2: Oh, gosh. I mean, so many emotions were going through my head. I was disappointed. I was angry. I was upset. Um, I was angry at myself. I was angry at my boss for a while. But I you know, I I knew that it wasn't really under his control. Um, And just I was I was angry at the fact that I had put in all this work and I was doing everything right. And they even told me right before they let me go that I was one of the brightest and smartest guys they knew. And so it just didn't I was confused more than anything. I think I, it was just that didn't make sense to me that those t- those two things were in the same sentence uh, uh, with each other. And so, you know, a lot of things were going through my head, like, what am I going to tell April, who, my, my new fiance? What am I going to tell my dad, who, you know, I always you know looked up to and, and, and uh, I wanted him to always be proud of me. And also, I just was like, what what the heck am I going to do to earn an income now? I actually just couldn't believe it and I actually called a number of I mean immediately after I mean this is like minutes after I just raced to my phone at my desk and started calling other architecture firms to see if there were any open positions and I knew the people at my work were going to put a a good word in for me but I I couldn't even get an interview where I nobody was hiring anymore and then I called engineers and um, other contractors we were working with, and none of them were hiring either. It was just a terrible, terrible time, and so the probably the the toughest part for me was was. drive home alone and just thinking about what i was going to tell april because you know when when stuff like this happens you always think of the incredibly worst thing that can happen and i was like oh is she gonna is she gonna leave me am i gonna like be all on my own am i gonna be homeless um and i knew that she wasn't gonna leave me but i always just was thinking that and i knew i wasn't gonna be homeless because my parents always told me that i had a place to stay but you know i don't i forget about that stuff and i just think about the worst things it was it was probably the lowest lowest point of my life.
1: And one of those really sort of stark and painful lessons in life is that, you know, life really isn't fair. And there's a lot of things that are not under our control. You know, like you said, you did everything right. And all of a sudden, you get this bad hand dealt to you. And it seems like a lot of people find themselves getting really stuck in that place. The world sucks. This isn't fair. I'm going to be bitter and, you know, angry at the world because of this. But somehow you managed to have a different sort of attitude of what am I going to do now? What are my new options? How can I reinvent this path that I've created?
2: Right. I mean, life really is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. And luckily, I was a point and I had all these motivations behind me to uh, to, to keep going and to stop sort of being angry and stop being disappointed and and start trying to figure something out. Sort of a little backstory. When I when I still had my job in architecture, I had built a website for myself to help keep track of notes that I was taking for this really difficult exam I was taking in the architecture industry. And I built a website for my notes because I had tried studying the traditional way and it just wasn't working for me. And I knew computers and I was familiar with blogging and a way of managing content and just the content in this exam that I had to memorize. You know, 400 pages of stuff to memorize. Just it, It would have been much easier to be on a website. So I put it on a website for myself and I passed the test. This was in early 2008 before I even knew uh, I was going to get let go. And then after I passed the exam, I just let the site sit there. I didn't do anything with it. Now, when I got let go or noticed that I was going to get let go, I was searching for answers and trying to figure out what to do. And one thing I I stumbled upon was this podcast called Internet Business Mastery, and they're still around today. At the time, they were the number one all nine business podcast and on their show, in one of their interviews, they had interviewed this guy named Cornelius Fitchner, who had talked about on the show how he was making a living, a great living, a six-figure income living, teaching people online how to pass the project management exam. And that's when the light bulb went off for me. And that's when I knew that you know I had this resource that I had created for myself that I could maybe, maybe – Maybe there's a chance I could take it and turn it into a business. And so I started to do a lot of research on about internet business and online business. And one of the first things I learned was, well, you got to have a website and you have to have traffic coming to it or people visiting your website. So one of the first things I did is I put an analytical tool on my site to sort of get ready for the traffic that I was hopefully going to get. I didn't know how I was going to get it or what I was going to do. I was just sort of just following what everyone else was doing online. And to my surprise, and this, this just blew me away, um... Literally thousands of people around the world were already visiting my site, and I had no idea. I still don't even know how long it was happening before I finally found out. And now that I'm where I am now, I know why it was happening, although back then I was just clueless. Um, It happened because I had written so much content on that site for over a year for this exam that Google started to pick up a lot of it and put it to the top of search engine results for a lot of those relevant keywords that people were typing in related to this exam. And people found me and people were talking about me on their blogs and forums and just sharing me. um, And I didn't even know it. But once I found out that that was happening, I turned on the comments, people started asking me questions that I actually knew the answers to. And I sort of became this expert in this industry that I really wasn't even an expert in. I still had to look up answers to questions and I didn't get a perfect score on the test. But because I knew a little bit more than these people who were just clueless about the exam and the material and how to go about it, um, you know, I was the expert in their eyes. And to make a long story short, in October of 2008, after about a couple months, I uh, after a couple months of working on on, on an ebook for the site, uh, a study guide actually, I sold it on on this website, and um, I had just an incredible ride that month. In October of two thousand eight, I had grossed about seven thousand nine hundred eight dollars and fifty five cents. That was more money than I had ever seen in like three or four months of architecture at the time uh, and it, it just blew me away and I mean it just changed my entire life and I was just so blessed and so thankful for all the events that had happened and you know it's funny because the layoff as depressed as I was when it was happening and, or when it did happen it actually turned out to be one of the best things to ever happen to me because it sort of Showed me or forced me to look elsewhere and see what else was available in my life and what opportunities were out there and this whole internet business thing. I I had I had such a preconceived idea of what internet business was that it was a very, you know, scammy industry, you know, car salesman like and just snake oil filled. Um, but here I was making thousands of dollars a month and, um, you know, even five figures uh, months after that a month, providing something of value to people, actually helping them achieve something and getting paid for it in return. And better than that, I got incredible amounts of thank you notes and letters and, um, you know, handwritten letters from people just saying, you know, thank you so much for helping me save so much time with this exam and, or you're a lifesaver. And, and so it just showed me that there are ways to do online business legitimately where everybody's a winner and you don't have to try and pretend you're someone you're not to, to get someone to buy something from you. It's just, I mean, you can do it leg- in a legitimate way. And that's when I built the Smart Passive Income blog after I had the success on that website because I just wanted to share with people all these amazing things that I discovered and what it, what it takes. And, 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 you know, a lot of what I talk about on that site is the fact that it took a long time. You know, it, it, there's no such thing as, as an overnight success, um, and, and so I try to build businesses sort of trans, uh, in a transparent manner, uh, publicly on the site, sharing my wins and losses and everything that happens along the way. And, you know, I have a lot of fun. And now the Smart Passive Income blog is sort of taken off in the same way because I've just given so much uh, and, and people are going out of their way to sort of pay me back in return. And, um, again, getting thank yous and handwritten letters from people, it's just it's just. I mean, the ride has just been incredible, and to think to think about sort of where I came from in the architecture industry, and, and although I'm not really doing architecture anymore, um, and I still miss it, and you know, I I went to school for it for five years, and, and you know, I didn't I don't want to forget about that part of my life, but um, I'm definitely in a much happier place now because of all the thing crazy things that had happened that at the time seemed. Like I was just stuck. Like like there was there was nothing I could do, or or that you know life was just totally unfair. But I, I I found that it wasn't unfair. It was just sort of surprising and unexpected. And when you think about sort of all the cool things that happen in our in our lives, usually like the really cool things that we yeah we remember, a lot of times those things are the things that are sort of unexpected, that are unplanned. You just gotta think about that when when life throws you sort of a curveball sometimes, you know.
1: So this whole project that got you started down this path was this resource for the lead exam that you basically were creating that for yourself, right? You weren't really even expecting it to share it with others. It was just a way to organize your study process and keep track of what you were learning.
2: Yeah, exactly. And yes, I could have done that on my own, like through Microsoft Word or something like that or some note-taking device on my computer. But the reason I put it online was simply because I did a lot of traveling when I was in architecture, and it was it was a lot easier for me to just uh, wherever I was. Uh, if I didn't have my computer, I could just go online, go to a cafe or some somewhere, and 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 study from from the Internet, um, you know, and uh, they didn't have like Google Drive or any of these cloud things back then. So I sort of just built a website and that's how I knew I could access it at any moment in time. And there were a couple of my coworker friends who, you know, I knew would find use from it, too. And I thought I thought maybe um, having it online would be a cool way to just show my bosses that I had something sort of tangible that, you know, I was working for, you know, I- instead of like showing them my, my notes, like, you know, like handwritten notes, I could show them this website that, you know, I thought I envisioned them sharing it with everybody in the office. But I mean, I didn't have that business sort of online business mindset where I was like, oh, well, if I could share it with these people, I could share it with the entire world. I didn't even I didn't know how online business worked. I didn't know about Google and keywords or, you know, I didn't build it to make a business, but because I, what they call scratched my own itch. Um, and a lot of other people out there had the same exact itch. It just sort of took off without me even knowing it.
1: It's probably challenging to look back on it in a retrospective kind of way, but how much of the success of that project slash business do you think was because you didn't really intend it to be a business? You know, it really was sort of a selfish motivation of I'm building this for myself. I'm not trying to build something that I'm you know, going to trying to create a market for.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. I think it is it, it was successful because of the fact that I wasn't trying to, you know, earn any money from it, you know, too quickly and you know that's where a, lo- a problem a lot of people come into when they're trying to build a business online and they're, they're trying to earn trust from an audience and they they almost sort of sell too early or they sell the wrong things because they, they don't either understand their audience well enough or they are just rushing things and they haven't established that trust with them yet and um, that's where you can get into trouble so i was very lucky in the way that you know it was created in uh, in a way where i wasn't asking for anything in return from people which is which was pretty cool and so again I don't know how long people were reading it but when I finally came out with my ebook and a way for people to actually pay me back it's funny a lot of people um, a lot of people bought the book that first month who had already passed the exam and you know, in the beginning, I was like, "Well, why, you know, why would people do that?" Well, it's because, and I got emails from people saying, "You know, well, we wanted to buy this because you had given us so much for free, and this is our way of saying thanks." And so that was sort of my example of how I do business now. Is I always try to give away as much as I can for free, without asking for anything in return. However, I give opportunities to people in my audience to pay me back in return if they so choose to do so. So that way, I'm not being aggressive. I don't have to be a sort of car salesman or um, send massive amounts of emails that just sell, sell, sell and pitch, pitch, pitch. I just give as much... Free advice as I can to people in whatever business I'm in. And I have a number of different ones. And every time people go out of the way to try and find ways to pay me back. Because if you could really change someone's life through the content that you publish online, um, they're going to be thankful for it. And it's just human nature to want to give back to someone who has given you something for free.
1: I love the story about how you hooked up Google Analytics and all of a sudden you realized, oh my gosh, there's thousands of people visiting my site. And you sort of had this graceful safety net that emerged for you as, you know, sort of in the midst of crisis. It's like, oh, okay, my identity as architect is sort of going away and now I'm switching into being an entrepreneur or an internet marketer. Were there ever moments where you sort of wrestled with that identity switch? Where it's like, oh, this is really lucky, but it's never going to last. I really need to get back to architecture. Or were you able to
2: make that transition without a lot of fear? Uh, there was definitely a lot of fear. And I feared every day because, again, this was a, this was totally brand new for me. I always wondered if I would you know, wake up the next day and, and there would be zero sales and then zero sales from that point forward. I always questioned whether the fact that if I went through a period of four hours with no sales, that, that four would turn into 40, that would turn into 400. And I was just always doubting myself. But the sales kept coming. And it's really interesting. I mean, I think that's a battle that we all have, especially when we're trying something new and we're trying something that we might be a little uncomfortable doing just because we haven't done it before um, I mean just think of any moment in your life when you've tried something new um, you, you you sort of and again it's human nature to want to go back to your comfort zone and I was comfortable with architecture that's all I was doing for five years before I got laid off and you know I didn't I didn't know anything else and sort of getting into this interesting space of online business where everything's moving pretty fast and, and you know there's numbers going around that I don't even know what they mean and' it, it's, it's difficult and I questioned often you know whether this was for me. Um, but when I saw a couple things, when I saw the income come in, of course, that really helped. But also seeing what I was doing as far as making an impact on other people's life, that is really what kept me going and showed me that you know, I was getting more appreciated doing what I was doing online through this business in this little niche that a lot of people don't even know about. I was, I was getting more appreciation doing that than I ever did with the architecture stuff I was doing. You know, I would I would sit there and draft all day long and, and, and nobody would really care except my project manager who just wanted it done on time and done well. And you think about any sort of building that you're in, whether it's your house or your office building, or any building you see on the street. We don't know who built those buildings unless it's like a Frank Gehry building where it's obvious. But you know, we don't think about who built the houses that we're in. But here I was like publishing an ebook, a little ebook and people were sending me thank you letters like that. That was just incredible to me. And that just showed me the power of really providing value to people online. I mean, there were other couple times when I, you know, even months after getting into it and really Um, consciously making the decision to go down this path as an online entrepreneur and not go back to architecture, even if I could, um, there are are still times that I sort of doubted that decision. One of those times was, this was maybe uh, mid mid 2009. So I had been doing online business for over six months at this point. I had gotten a letter from the United States Green Building Council. That's the company or the sort of um, organization that actually administers the the lead exam, the exam that I that I was teaching. I got a nice little letter and it was a cease and desist letter from their lawyers asking me to stop what I was doing. And I just froze. Like I, I didn't I thought I was getting sued. Like I was just confused. I called a lawyer and and and, and asked them to help me out and I f- I've, I found that they were just not wanting me to use l-e-e-d or lead in the domain name they were okay with what i was doing i just wasn't allowed to use lead in the domain name which still sort of stressed me out because i didn't understand why because i was actually in essence helping people pass the exam and making people feel more comfortable with taking it and they were making a ton of money from the exam fees so i you know i don't know what the deal was but um when all that stuff was happening, and I was dealing with the lawyers and stuff that I didn't even know about jargon and all all, all these terms that were just in and over my head, I, I was asking myself, am, is, am I even cut out for business? Like it, I don't know anything that's going on right now. Was I just you know I I was just so naive to not even think about the trademark thing. Should I even be doing this? And for a while, I really struggled with that. Now to to finish that story, I ended up changing the domain name from in the lead dot com to greenexamacademy.com. And I still kept the same amount of traffic and and keyword rankings and stuff using something called a 301 redirect, which is a little technical term. If you don't know what that means, it's okay. Nothing really changed my business. Business kept on going. It just was a little bit of a, a, a hurdle I had to get over and a little bit of a lesson too as far as Trademarks are concerned. And so now I've learned since then to, you know, hire a good team who can help you when you're making decisions along the way. So I have a lawyer that I work with. And, you know, whenever I try something new, I always run it by him just in case, because I'd rather, you know, get things right first than have to deal with that stuff later. That was a very stressful time for me. But, you know, I kept going and and, had that stuff, that kind of stuff happens, but you just got to keep going sometimes.
1: The mission of this A Congruent Life project is really about sharing stories of authenticity. And one of the reasons that I find you so inspiring and have been following you online for so long is you get this sense of the online Pat Flynn is the real Pat Flynn. And you're very transparent about the way that you go about your business and and your work online. Mm -hmm. Um, What does living authentically or congruently mean to you?
2: To me, it just means being real like and, and, you know, like uh, like you said, there's a Pat Flynn online and there's a Pat Flynn offline like that should be the same person I feel and offline. You know, when I'm trying, when, when I'm making friends and I'm sharing stories, you know, I don't just share all the good stuff, you know, with my with my real friends, I share all the bad stuff. And, you know, we just connect in that way and share stories with each other. And that's what I do online, too. I share a lot of stories. I talk about not only the good things that happen, but all the bad things, too. And like I do with my friends offline, I do what I can to inspire and be there to help them. And I try to do the same thing online, too. I don't try to put up just my best face uh, or, or, or the the. The, whatever you call it, the, the best part of me. Um, I, I share it all because that's who I am. And I only wish more people did that because then there wouldn't be any sort of you know hesitation to, to, to sort of befriend people online, which is there. and I think that's okay. you know it's like a security thing just you don't want to get involved with the wrong people online or, or buy something from someone who may not be real. But I'm just being me and I, I, I just act the way online that I wish everyone else acted it's, and not necessarily the strategies that I use or what I say or what I do, you know, things like that. But in, in, in being a, a true reflection of, of how I am as a real person, And it's funny because you're not the first person to mention that, Andy. A lot of people meet me in person at conferences and places like that and say they say, wow, you were you were just like you are on your podcast. Totally real. And, you know, I, I, I appreciate that. So thank you for, for saying that, Andy. That means a lot.
1: Along those lines, you mentioned earlier about this make money online industry has sort of this slimy reputation. It feels like it can be sort of scammy and uh, there's a lot of people that are making a lot of money in that space. But yet you've had a different sort of formula. You've not done that, but yet you've been very successful in it. What role do you think that your transparency has had in your business success?
2: I think it's it's had everything to do with it. I mean, you, people are calling me the transparent online marketer, which is uh, it's crazy. Like it, it just boggles my mind that the fact that I'm being real and honest and transparent that that is what sets me apart from everyone else. I mean, that's scary. I mean, it it shouldn't, shouldn't be unique. Yeah. No, I mean, I uh, that's just ridiculous to me. And um, so, I mean, I, I I am trying to be here as a leader and and show people that you can be honest and transparent and make a good living online because a lot of people who are Online and also teaching how to do business online. A lot of people, I mean, uh, you know, they're not, they're not authentic and they're not transparent. They treat their audience as a number, as a as a subscriber, as you know, number or whatever on their email list or just a credit card. And it shouldn't be that way. It should all it should always be about the people that you're trying to serve. And in order for me to best serve my people, I want them to get to know me and get to know the real me. That's how trust comes into play. And without that trust, there can be no transactions whatsoever online from not just monetary transactions, but you know, sharing your stuff or subscribing or even reading your stuff. I mean, especially sharing. I mean, sharing is the most powerful way to sort of get the word out there. You know, not having you do the work, but having your audience who appreciates the work that you do trust their friends and followers enough, enough and, and the content that you produce to um, to share your stuff with, with the people that, that they follow uh, or that follow them. Excuse me. Um, it's just it, it's had everything to do with the success, Andy, and uh, you know, one of the things I, I do is every month I post a monthly income report where I share exactly how much money I earn online and where it comes from. And a lot of people are actually blown away at the fact that I do that. Uh, but I feel like I have to do that, and that's my responsibility as someone who's talking about making money online. You know, it's sort of my way of just proving to people and you know, walking the walk, not just talking the talk, which is what everyone else does. Um, and I also sort of compare it to companies in the stock market who. You know, every quarter they come out with an earnings report so that their uh, investors or their potential investors can sort of make an educated decision whether or not to invest with them or not or continue to invest with them. And although my audience and and people out there aren't investing money with me, they're investing time. And so it's only right, I feel, that if I give them, you know, that earnings report and, and keep them up to date on how business is going, whether it's good or bad.
1: Maybe not necessarily in a business sense, but in a in a broader sense, what would you consider to be some of your notable failures, and and what have they taught you?
2: Well, where do I start? Um, I've created websites before, um, in other niches that were built specifically because they were in markets that I knew were profitable, and I, you know, they were built around keywords that I knew were profitable. and I, but I had no interest in what them in what those topics were whatsoever at all. Uh, they were built specifically to make money, and none of them have made money. And uh, you know, I'd work on them for a month, I, I'd be real fired up about it, and then, um, you know, the honeymoon period's over, and I just was like, why am I doing this? This isn't, this isn't, this isn't fun. I'm not enjoying myself. I'm just, you know, doing it for all the wrong reasons. And so I scrapped a lot of those ideas. Um, another failure I had was. Um, my very first iPhone application. I had me and my buddy started an iPhone application company. We currently have twenty-seven iPhone apps in, in iTunes right now. We're doing pretty good. We're we've been making three to seven or eight thousand dollars a month, depending on the season, um, every month for about four years now, um, almost an autopilot. But when we first started, we made a bunch of different mistakes. Our very first app took three months, and you know we outsourced our apps, and that I think was not the problem, but uh, led to the problem because we were just so Sort of, we wanted to get it done as soon as possible. So we ended up hiring one of the first people who bid on our project. We we put our project on Elance.com, where you can post a project and have different companies bid on it. Well, we. Hired one of the first ones that sort of bid on us, and it was the lowest price, like ridiculously low price. And so, uh, you know, we 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 sort of caught that bait there. And what was supposed to take three weeks took three months and an extra three thousand dollars because of that. Um, and we again just learned so much from that that now we spend a little bit more time up front telling developers what we want, and also hiring the right developers too. So that's another important lesson I learned. Um, Another failure was when I tried to get into WordPress plugins. You know, the WordPress plugin market is pretty huge. People pay money for good premium WordPress plugins. I had two being built simultaneously because I wanted to create this whole market of WordPress plugins that I knew people would find useful. And so I spent about $8,000 getting both of those created. And again, I rushed it. I didn't give the developers enough information, so they filled in the holes. And for me they gave back things that weren't exactly what I envisioned. And I just a ton of time wasted the apps didn't, or that the um, software didn't work like how I wanted to. And when it did, it just wasn't as useful as I thought it would be. And so I scrapped those ideas, too. So I lost a lot of money that way. I mean, uh, I could continue, but those are just some of the examples of failures that I've sort of come across along the way.
1: You've done quite a bit of writing and podcasting and speaking about business. And then you recently wrote this book called Let Go, which even though it's sort of reviewed as a business book, really isn't about business, but more about your own journey. Why did you want to write that book?
2: You know, I've shared my story before on podcasts and on the blog, um, but Never before had I had the opportunity to share it like this. And, and I initially first published it on a platform called Snippet app, which is a really cool platform for iOS that allows you to write a story, but also include a lot of multimedia and social media within the book too. So it was perfect because I could include videos and interviews with friends and family who were a part of my life um, and, and a part of this journey. I could get really deep into the details of sort of what was going through my head at the time when I had gotten laid off, and it allowed me to also include social media in the book so other people could start to talk about it with each other as well. Um, I then repurposed the book on Amazon because a lot of people don't have iOS or the right versions of it, um, we found. And uh, within 24 hours, it shot up to number one small business and entrepreneurship book. And you're right, it's not sort of a tactics strategy type book. Um, But when you think about doing business, uh, or, or really making any changes in your life, it, it really all comes down to the mindset and how you feel about what's happening, or how you react to what has happened, or how you take advantages of the opportunities that are ahead of you. And that's really what the book is about. And it, it, it's about you know, I wanted it to be an inspirational story, sort of teaching people, sort of what I went through and the fact that I was just so I was just so conditioned to believe that architecture was the way that I was supposed to go that when finally i couldn't go back to it just all these other things opened up to me uh opened up for me and, and um you know in in the book you'll you'll you can read it if, if you pick it up um there's this analogy with an elephant sort of breaking free from its constraints from a chain that's tied to it on the ground and, and there's a really cool story that goes behind that And i'll save that for you in the book but um you know i feel like we all have an elephant inside of us or we all are, we all are giant elephants that you know could easily break free and do what we want and and we have the power to do that sometimes we're just trained and and, and sort of conditioned to not believe in ourselves and or or to think a certain way when there's so much other opportunity out there so i mean then that that's what it's about and um you know it's been a major success i'm so thankful for it um just you know the reaction from people who have read it has been amazing Uh, i've had people email me telling me that they've cried because of it, which is, uh, you know, I, I don't want people to cry, but it's kind of cool that they can connect with the story on that emotional level. Um, and, and there's some great videos in there. One of my dad and I uh, doing an interview together, uh, one with my wife and I, and a lot of on-location shots of where certain things happened during the journey that were sort of pivotal moments. Thank you for letting me share that here, uh, Andy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let Go is a, a great read. It's, it's a quick read, but very inspiring and as you mentioned, the multimedia stuff that goes with that is a a great supplement. It it rounds out the story in a really nice way. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, Pat, what's next for you? Uh, What current project in your world are you most excited about?
2: Uh, Well, I'm currently working on a blogging course, actually. uh, My audience has been demanding something from me for a very long time. Um, I haven't actually come out with a course yet, so I'm really excited to be working on this. And this is a course that's going to be about not how to start a blog but how to keep a blog going because a lot of people can start a blog not very many people you know very small percentage of people actually keep it going Um, so this is going to be all about the sort of mindset stuff and all the technical issues and other things bloggers typically deal with that sort of hold them back from moving forward or sometimes actually get people to quit and uh, I don't want people to quit because a blog obviously changed my life and I think it could change anyone else's life too and the lives of your audience and people reading those blogs so uh, that's something I've been working on I'm shooting a lot of videos for that and and writing outlines and scripting that which I'm really excited about Um, I'm going to be doing a lot more book publishing as well some more stuff on the Kindle platform and also a traditionally published book as well uh, maybe in the one to two year sort of path uh, that I have and so yeah, just really excited to to continue to put stuff out there and try and inspire people and get people to uh, sort of think differently about what they have going on too.
1: Lots of great stuff that you're involved in, that's great. Is there a final thought that you'd like to leave our listeners with about authenticity specifically?
2: Yeah, I think it's really important when it comes to authenticity is is, is you know not not only just um, you know, being authentic in a way where you know, other people are, are, are seeing you being real. But I think it, it really starts with you being real with yourself. And, you know, understanding that you have the power to sort of create your own life and, and, and that, um, you know, you have to, you have to realize that you can do whatever you want to do. There's a quote, one of my favorite quotes from Henry Ford, it's whether you think you can, or you can't, you're right. So when it comes to being authentic and wanting to you know, change to happen in your life, you know, you got to be, you got to be real with yourself and know that you have the power to do whatever it is you want. I think it's when people start to doubt themselves that, you know, things don't start to happen the way they want to. And, and of course, like Henry Ford said, if you don't think you could do something, then it's definitely not going to happen. I and mean, it all starts with, with yourself and how you believe. So that's, that's all I wanted to say.
1: And how can our listeners engage with you?
2: Well, I'd love to hear from you if you heard this. Um, you can you can quickly just say hi on Twitter at Pat Flynn, P-A-T-F-L-Y-N-N. I'd love to say hi back. And you can also find my blog at smartpassiveincome.com. Uh, and then you can also check out Let Go if you wish um, at me slash letgo.
1: Well, Pat, you've been really generous with your time. I I definitely appreciate it. Thanks for all the inspiration that you provide online. And thanks very much for spending this time with us and sharing a little bit of your story.
2: Absolutely, Andy. Thank you so much for having me.
1: I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Pat Flynn. Today on June 17th, Pat is hosting a live webinar on his website, letgoday.com. That'll be at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, and 1900 GMT. If you can, please join in on his webinar. Either way, though, you can access the webpage for this episode at acongruentlife.net slash 10, where I'll link to Pat's website and his other work. And I'll be back with another inspiring conversation on Wednesday as usual. The next one will be with international recording artist Alana Lewandowski. Thanks again for being here and listening to A Congruent Life. I really appreciate it, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to A Congruent Life. For more, please visit us on the web at acongruentlife.net. Do you have feedback about the show or suggestions for future guests? Please contact us through the website or send an email to feedback at life.net See you next time.